so freelancing enabled me to have the freedom of growing the company whilst also kind of growing my skill sets growing my connections um, and my network and also learning different sides of a business from freelancing I learned so much you know client face-to-face interactions and um, how to deal with people briefs proposals all of that sort of thing led into what girls and marketing is now so I think the journey itself I learned so much from that kind of freezing journey after I kind of quit my full-time job. Welcome to Founder Metrics by Vested, the podcast where we dive into the world of hotshot business leaders and the metrics that drive their game-changing companies forward. I'm your host, Ifti Nasser, CEO and founder of Vested. In today's episode, we'll be chatting to the inimitable Olivia May Hanlon, the remarkable founder and CEO of Girls in Marketing. With a mission to end the gender gap in marketing, Olivia has built a thriving six-figure e-learning platform and community. Recognised on NPW Future List of 2023, she also hosts a popular podcast with an impressive 90,000 downloads. Discover Olivia's journey as she revolutionised the digital marketing industry, making it accessible, fun and balanced. Get ready to be inspired by her empowering brand and the incredible work happening behind the scenes of girls in marketing. Olivia, welcome to Founder Metrics. Yeah, so hello. Thank you for having me on the podcast. You didn't start life as a marketer. You started life as a site. Why did you switch to marketing? I think for me, I just didn't realise that marketing was a was a thing, was a, was a discipline, really. I think that marketing has come a long way in the last few years, especially with the rise of digital, you know, sixth form, college, choosing my options for university. I really love psychology. Um, I love business as well. I kind of love both of them. And I almost think of marketing as a mix of both psychology and business. But I didn't really know that, you know, marketing was a discipline. I hadn't done it at A level. I hadn't ever really studied it before. Um, So I decided to take psychology on with me as my degree. And whilst it was actually whilst I was at university that I discovered you know, content writing, blogging, marketing. Um, and once I discovered that, I just fell in love with, with it and had such a passion for it from day one and decided to, yeah, make a, make a career in it. But I still do love psychology, but I almost feel like so many elements of marketing have that psychology element to them. So I very much do a lot of stuff within marketing that relates still to psychology now. So I, I love them both, but I definitely feel like marketing took took my heart. Now, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of uh, psychology in marketing. Just uh, capturing people is you know, imperative. When you talked uh, about SEO, uh, just picking up on the whole thing that we're, we're doing here, which is about metrics. I mean, SEO is just a minefield of data. How did you actually get into that? Yeah, so I, I think I definitely started with the less data-led stuff. So kind of the more on-site, on-page keywords like kind of SEO side of things and then I started taking some courses so I did a lot of different kind of online courses that really focused on the different elements so kind of off page and some more technical SEO 
So I think it was very much a transition for me. I understand that on the offset, just thinking about SEO is quite overwhelming for a lot of people. And I almost say to people within our community and whoever I speak to, think of it like a journey, think of it like a process. Don't just think that one day you're going to wake up and understand SEO just you know inside out instead understand what you know and then what you can build on from that so for me it was very much the kind of on-site on-page content-led SEO stuff then I kind of started learning the the off-site stuff so you know backlinks PR guest blog um, and then off off the back of that then learned a lot more technical stuff as well so it was very much a process and it, it definitely wasn't an easy process for me so it seems like you you did both sides both the uh art and the science of of seo because it, it i guess it can be quite daunting when you initially talk to people about seo um from a numbers perspective at, at least going back to your um earlier journey and you know having set up girls in marketing you, you mentioned that you you did that having left your job and without, uh, you told me when we were talking before about uh, not having any savings. I mean, what was that like to, to do that? I mean, wh- where's that confidence come from? So I like to self-identify as a calculated risk taker. So I like to take risks, but not too many risks. And I always calculate the different outcomes that can occur um when taking a risk so for me leaving my job meant there was a lot of risks because there was a lot of financial risks there was the risk of girls in marketing not taking off not making any money and lots of different you know risks that you have as a business owner but my way of almost kind of uh, making sure that those risks didn't happen and I had that kind of solution to any problems because I found a way to continue to kind of make money and continue to progress in my career even though I wasn't in a full-time role so I was freelancing in SEO and in content so for me very much about how do I continue my journey don't really stump the growth of the journey just because I'm not working full-time and also how do I grow girls in marketing at the same time so freelancing enabled me to have the freedom of growing the company whilst also kind of growing my skill sets, growing my connections um, and my network and also learning different sides of a business from freelancing. I learned so much, you know, client face-to-face interactions and um, how to deal with people, briefs, proposals, all of that sort of thing led into what girls in marketing is now so i think the journey itself i learned so much from that kind of freezing journey after i kind of quit my full-time job and when you you think back to it when um when you even started how did you know that you were moving forward how did what was it that you could see uh, what what data did you look at to see whether this was actually worth progressing for me I think data plays a huge part in business in any business and I seen traction so a big kind of metric for me was impact and traction of the community so as much as now we are a fully fledged business you know we have full time we have a full time team we have an office we are very much a kind of start up an organization at the beginning it was very much about how much impact can we make you know what is the track yeah but how how do you measure that 
How do you actually measure Okay, impact? so... Um, sounds very subjective. Yeah, I think you can measure it in, in a number of different ways. For me, initially, it was the pure comments and feedback that we got from people, you know, who attended things, who not just like the likes and the comments or things. I think definitely comments was a big thing. You know, people commenting on LinkedIn posts or on Instagram posts or, you know, signing up for our email newsletter all of those things, those numbers helped. But for me, it was the individual comments of people messaging us and saying, you know, I've attended this webinar and I learned all of these amazing things. Um, or I, you know, I did this program and I've now got a job in marketing or I got a promotion or something like that. How did you track that though, Olivia? I mean, it's, it's one thing seeing those uh, pieces of feedback. But if it's and you know, your your platform has become very successful, but when you get hundreds of thousands coming in, how do you track and um, maintain and monitor of that? So I use a number of different tools. Initially, a lot of social listening tools. So what people were publicly speaking about girls in marketing. Um, I think from a private perspective, we just kind of captured that as much as we could. So we have a Google Drive folder with all of the comments that people have made. Um, sometimes things, you know, go under the, the radar. We don't catch them. But our aim is every project that we do, and we did this from the beginning as well. We always create a folder in, you know, Google Drive um, and we screenshot, you know, messages and comments and we put those into a Google Drive according to what project it is. So whatever project we're kind of running at the time, we have an individual folder for that and we can go in and see. But a lot of the time, you know, these private messages go on radar because we've got to actively, it's really hard to track those kind of metrics, um, which is why I kind of use the combination of those like social listening tools, understanding how people were speaking about our brand versus what people were saying, you know, in private messages and stuff like yeah. that. Which tools specifically, Olivia, just so that people, because I mean, there's so many people who are going to be listening to this will not know the tools that you're talking about. And it'd be great to just share some of the ones that you use. Yeah. So we, at the beginning, I used Mention. So Mention was a big thing for us because it they had, I'm not sure if they do now, but they, they had a free plan, which allowed me to kind of get on board in an accessible way as well um, and then ended up kind of paying for that the problem that you have with mention especially when it comes to LinkedIn is that it can't track personal what personal people are saying on LinkedIn so that is like quite a big issue that I've had is how do we measure the impact of individuals talking about us on LinkedIn which is why we kind of have to take the approach of um, you know putting them all into a google drive we also use kind of project management tools as well so we use monday.com to add in different individual testimonials that we find um you know ones that are maybe more significant or ones that talk about something in a really nice and like if it's a really good story that we can really like love and, and kind of show the impact of what we're doing we'll put that in a separate place in our kind of project management tool as well but mention was a big one at the beginning um, for, for us specifically. Brilliant. And in terms of now, when you're looking at the, the success uh, of the business, what are the, the tools or uh, metrics that you look at that give you that gauge of what's on the horizon? You know, where you know, the opportunities are coming from, how can you see them, or even the dangers? What do you use to help you see that horizon? 
I think we still use a lot of the same kind of metrics as we we have before. We we are massively obviously tailored towards our community around impact. But I think now we obviously have to look at those more traditional kind of KPIs, things that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have, have focused on before you know having a team now we have to focus on okay how do we create impact with brands so we work a lot on campaigns with different marketing software type type brands where we do a range of different things for them so um depending on their objectives we allow them to access our community so for example a brand may come to us and say we want brand awareness so then for them, the APIs are obviously different to a brand who comes and says, oh, I, we really want trials and signups. So the, the kind of metrics change depending on, you know, the brand that we work with and on that specific campaign on that project. I think generally as a business, for me, it's about seeing that sustainable kind of growth. I I'm not someone from a financial perspective. I'm not someone who, you know, wants to necessarily reach 10 million in the next you know, two years or anything like that. But seeing that growth over time, even if it is just, you know, small steps financially, okay, we've got this contract or we've had this many new people join the platform or, you know, anything like that those smaller metrics and that sustainable growth is really important for me from a financial perspective and just knowing the numbers financially as well is, is so important so what what are the key numbers then for you is it um you know recurrable revenue sales month on month growth what 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 really makes it for you and for you to feel that that sustainability is coming because i mean everybody will have highs and lows um what's the things that give you that comfort that things are in the right place? I think um, definitely monthly recurring revenue, MRR, huge. Um, but because we work on a bit of a weird kind of business model, we obviously have our, you know, membership and we have our courses that we run. So we have some sort of like monthly recurring revenue. We also do work with brands on kind of partnerships over quarters as well. So it's not always as easy to just map out what we reoccurring revenue because we also sign on, you know, brands for three months, six months, 12 months. So we kind of like mesh it all together, put it into almost kind of like an ARR, so like annual reoccurring revenue instead, and then just kind of like split that up between the month so it kind of is monthly reoccurring revenue but it's not because we might not necessarily get the same amount every month we may see you know a big contract come in one month and then not have another one for three months so do you see anything any correlation you talked a lot about impact and uh share of voice stuff so do you any do you see any leading indicators from impact signals that you see let's say today does that relate to you know, prospective MRR or ARR um, three months down the line, six months down the line. Can you see those correlations? Yeah, I definitely think you can, but it is so hard to track. I mean, I know anyone out there who's listening who, you know, does a bit of marketing will understand it's so hard to track kind of life cycle of customers and it's so hard to understand, you know, how much impact actually has on the business and has on the numbers themselves. I definitely think that 
the impact doesn't correlate directly with the business and the numbers because I think that we have a huge reach and a lot of people say to me oh I thought that the girls in marketing team was so much bigger than it is um you know we do so many things and we have you know a really good team behind us but we're not huge there is only six of us but I think sometimes the numbers and the impact can actually not go in your favor because people think that you are you know bigger and you can do bigger things whereas we're you know the six of us are there saying oh you know we can only do so much so it, it is difficult because I don't always think that the public numbers that you kind of see and the impact that you see isn't doesn't always necessarily relate to the numbers and the finances because we have a lot of people who really are impacted by what we do but they maybe don't have the finances to invest in our in our membership maybe they don't have the the time to invest in our membership or in our you know products so sometimes people like to support our mission and and be impacted by our community but they don't necessarily you know give us money or give us that kind of real care and revenue but that to me doesn't matter because you know if they go on and refer us to one of their friends or they talk to their manager about us who then gets in touch about you know sponsoring an event or something like that I think it's not always about those people directly and how do they create money it's it's about the kind of wider the wider impact and you know how that does relate which is so hard to track it is, but I guess somehow you have to either have a, a second sense or something, because none of, as you were saying yourself, Olivia, we don't have lots and lots of time. Time is, is, is limited. So how do you then determine which things you're going to spend your time on? Because you, you want the ma to maximize the impact. M impact is sort of tangible, sort of intangible. So how do you then decide what what is it that you use? If it is just your secret sense or whatever then that's it but what do you what can you share with others that you use to to gauge where you're going to spend your time and effort and endeavor i think it's it's a mixture of impact and also kind of revenue and growth for the business so the projects that make huge impact and make a difference on people's lives but equally allow us to grow our business you know from a sustainable perspective so last year we run a digital marketing internship program which was a three-day free kind of virtual program that anyone could access across the world we ran that free for the end user but we had sponsors on board so we had two main sponsors who um essentially they had a, a session within the program where you know they added value to the end user's life but uh, very much first their kind of tool at the heart of it so it was two kind of marketing software brands and we measured impact through that from obviously user generated content so people talking about the program people post about the program people actually just generally get in touch with us and, and everything like that we measured user generated content was huge we measured mentions, as I said before, so people talking about us. Um, and we also, so from our side, we also measured how many members we got off the back of the programme, how many people you know followed us, the, the kind of follower growth that we had on social. Um, and then from a brand perspective, 
So one brand was very much focused on brand awareness. So they just wanted as much impact as possible. So for them, we focused on the user-generated content. So within the program, we did a task where they, where the end user, the attendee, had to log onto the platform, the, the kind of software, and take a screenshot of, you know, something post it onto LinkedIn or onto Instagram and then they um they, they kind of got entered into you know a, a prize draw type thing and they had to say something that they loved about the platform. So they got tons of user generated content, tons of brand awareness from that. And that's something that unfortunately because it was on LinkedIn, we had to as a team individually go in and literally screenshot every single piece of user generated content. So it was very much approximate for them. And we made them aware of that at the beginning and said, it's really hard to track the metrics on LinkedIn. And I know it's got a lot better now. LinkedIn now has kind of in, in platform analytics. So it is a lot easier to track now. Um, but then it, it kind of wasn't. And then the other brand that we worked with was very much focused on getting kind of signups and getting kind of link clicks. So we use a track link with them and they can track obviously how many people went on the page, how many conversions. Um, and it's estimated that it was kind of around 3000 um, accounts were set up and used. Um, and off the back of that, they got around 50 paying users um, off, kind of off the back of that in, in of itself. But another one of their objectives was actually not just link clicks and signups, but longevity of customers. So they knew that they were investing in a program that was for kind of more junior to mid-level people. So they said, you know, we might not get the impact now, but it's the impact that we'll get in, you know, two, three, four years when these people are the, the majors and are the ones who are going to buy the product. How do you manage to sell that? Because if it's always about jam tomorrow yeah um yeah you, you so when when these brands come to you do they say because they know what the leading indicators are they say i want as you're saying users uh, signing up or mentions or do you suggest to them what the best metric for assessing the success of a campaign is it's yeah it's it's very much a collaborative effort really I think I always go in and say what's your objectives you know what do you want to do and then I you know tell them of the upcoming things that we have going on and how it may align with their objectives but ultimately if they want then that we can't give to them I'm not going to sell it to them so I think that's a big thing is and I know I do speak to a lot of founders who just sell whatever they can and then they deliver afterwards. But I would never sell something that I didn't know we were going to be able to deliver on. So I knew that the internship program was a risk. And that is something that I, when I was speaking to sponsors and partners about, I explained to them, you know, we did it at a relatively cheap sponsorship price. And I said, it is a risk, but I think that this is going to be the impact of it. And I think one of the brands was a brand that we'd already worked with before. So they already trusted us um, and they very much, we still work with them now. And they signed on to do the internship program again this September, um, which was which was really great. And I think that a, a, some of it was about trust, but ultimately I think it was just about the brands taking a risk. And I know I obviously mentioned there was two brands involved. I spoke to probably over 50 60 different brands and um, some huge brands who 
I know would have absolutely loved the the impact and you know would have definitely had an impact on the brand but a lot of them weren't willing to kind of take the you know to take the risk but then this year it's been so much easier selling it because we already have the data and we've tracked all the metrics so I think initially if you're on that if you're in that stage of we've never done this before it's just about selling the vision and selling the mission and really just going in and saying this is what we want to achieve and we want you to believe in this mission with us and we were just really lucky that we had two really amazing um quite big brands that did believe in in what we were doing um and and I think sometimes that's just something that comes with time the more people and brands that you speak to the more you refine your pitch the more you can sell it yeah. Uh, talking about impact, you know, you've um, you've done, you've had quite a lot of impact yourself and a lot of success. You've won Woman of the Year award uh, for Merseyside uh, last year, and uh, you're on the future list of 2023 for the Northern Power Women Awards. What that impact? You know, getting awards is brilliant. Have you been able to see how the success, your personal success in those awards and that of, of the business, translates? into new business for you can have you ever tracked that as it yeah is it something that yeah it's not something that I've ever really tracked to be honest Uh, it's not something also that I've tracked if it does bring new business I almost think for me awards um is maybe credibility I I would say especially within the business world I would track it more with the more kind of credibility that we have as an organization than I have as an individual will eventually somehow relate to other things because I don't necessarily just track it from a kind of business perspective also from a personal brand perspective so the more kind of speaking opportunities that I have or the more I kind of I'm you know able to or asked to go on podcasts and stuff like that I don't I've never really tracked direct business, but I almost see, um, you know, kind of awards and, and stuff like that more related to personal brand. We have never actually won an award as Girls in Marketing before. Um, so that's something that maybe if we did do in future, that it would be interesting to see the impact of that. That's that's really interesting, that um, credibility assessment or an, a metric around credibility because there's lots of things that go into that firstly there's uh, the personal credibility of the, the the founder and the individuals on the team then as you say about the the business itself any licenses or accreditations it has are you aware of any credibility metric or thing that's out there because they, they, one would imagine that there should be some sort of correlation for that because I think that's a really powerful thing you, you don't have nothing is you know, uh, directly tangible, but even if it's indirectly tangible, uh, the credibility ranking must be something you can measure. Yeah, I think I wouldn't say that there's any particular metric. I think for me, it's about going into a room of marketers and people knowing who your brand is um, and people knowing what you do. So, for example, we went to, we kind of exhibited an event recently um, that was totally free. We did not pay for it because they just wanted us there. Um, they wanted our brand there. Um, and they asked us to go and do some like really cool kind of brand activation. So we did that. Um, and the amount of people, so it was a marketing event and it was for kind of four, 500 people. 
and um, we were the only stand in the room it was like networking kind of room and the amount of people that came up to us and already knew who our brand was and were. what our brand did um, and who we were that for me I don't know if you can necessarily measure it from a metric perspective just from a face-to-face this is crazy metric like people generally say oh yeah you know I follow me on LinkedIn or oh yeah I bought a training course before or I've part of membership or you know anything like that I, I think that for me is is that credibility element um and that's something that we see more of I think another thing is when people compare us to other communities or other kind of training courses and say oh you know I was part of this other membership but I've joined your membership because I think that it's better again that for me that it's that people giving you um kind of that feedback that is really important and I think that only really comes from speaking to your audience and speaking to your customers which I think so many business owners don't do. You just kind of get in a bubble of my product or my service is perfect and I don't need to speak to anyone. But actually going outside of that bubble and just speaking to people who maybe aren't, you know, customers who aren't people who would ever purchase from you, but what is their perception of you? How do they see you? Um, And at that event that we were at where we exhibited the other week, I also did uh, kind of speaking um you know a talk there as well and it was all around brand perception and I wasn't a keynote speaker they had multiple keynote speakers there who were absolutely amazing I was just kind of a smaller speaker um on the day but at the end of the day one of the event organizers came up to me and said what was the most attended talk of the day and again that for me adds credibility that's, that's people who were saying over the keynotes people are coming to see me which i think again that is fantastic i mean you should uh, take a, a bow for that i think just going back to what you were saying in terms of credibility and i agree there's no individual metric that's going to give you it but it certainly um inspired a thought about some sort of uh, little algorithm that you could build up that takes all those different elements that you talked about see how you can create a, a credibility um uh index or uh matrix uh, ma- uh metric of some kind that's that's really inspiring actually i'll um i'll take that away with me so i guess uh we've, we're uh, getting to the end of time on on this but it'd be great to hear what where you see where do you see uh girls in marketing going over the next year or two we really want to continue doing more things as much as we can do but get better at what we're doing as well So I think that actually tracking that data and metrics is so important for us, you know, making sure that we can deliver on things, but we deliver on things consistently. You know, we want to definitely do more in-person events, but again, it's really hard to track kind of metrics and success, successes of that Um, events has been, in-person events has been something that we have done and have been relatively successful we've always sold them out people have always enjoyed them but from a business and a financial perspective uh, we've lost money on most of the events that we've done because oh, wow. we haven't had a sponsor um, and because we make them quite accessible from a money position so it's it's literally like 20 pound per ticket and um, it means that we don't make any money from them so I think obviously going back to what we were talking about before on 
measuring impact versus kind of finances and revenue that is part of the model that we haven't really refined yet and we need to really think about okay how do we we know we can make impact and that's amazing but how do we now make it sustainable and grow it as part of the business as well and um, because at the moment it's not something that does make any money and um, but we know that you know if we have maybe brands on board we have sponsors on board that's how we can kind of grow it more um so yeah i think that's kind of the future is really figuring out the revenues that we've tried and trying to make them more successful from a financial perspective i guess with uh, increased credibility uh, more brands will be wanting to to join uh, or participate with you and indeed then even sponsor which ultimately as you said is uh, where it's going to make a difference for you i mean at the moment you're you're based in liverpool but how broad is your um, business and customer reach i mean it's global i would definitely say our big customer reaches the uk so just literally across the uk and um, but i know that we do have people from all across the world the brands that we've worked with have been all across the world as well um, but I would say the biggest kind of impact that we've had and the biggest place our customers are and people are is probably the UK um, literally all across the UK because we grew online. So, you know, it's not one place. I would say that we don't really have a big community in Liverpool. We have a huge community like London, Manchester, Scotland. Um, but it isn't really something that we have in, in Liverpool. But I do want to build that. So that's something we're working on as well is building more of kind of a northern community as well and um, it's just having the time to to do everything yeah and do you think that's um makes a location makes a, a difference in terms of your reach because it is education that you're providing through the platform um i guess being uk does that actually make it more powerful for you to reach people here or do you think do you genuinely feel that it is uh, geography geography uh, agnostic yeah I think in a way, you know, knowing the UK market is really important from a marketing perspective. So I think we could be global from like a kind of platform because it is an online platform. You can log in from anywhere. But I think the kind of things that we teach are more UK specific and do focus more on the UK. So if we were going to go more global and focus on other markets, we would have to think about the content that we produce as well so predominantly we are trying to really focus on the UK right now and then kind of decide you know what other angles and what other kind of countries we want to we want to do we definitely have a customer base in the US and Australia they're kind of other big countries um but again the kind of market in marketing is, is different in the US I know so it's you know really cracking the uk market before we can't move and and diversify and what what's uh what's exciting for for the rest of this year what what what's the end of a good year for you look like now from a metrics perspective what are the things that you're gonna look at is it just the mmr is it about the team size what's, what's it gonna be i think the projects that we're working on right now is are really exciting as I said, we're really trying to refine the event side of things. So that's something that we're going to be investing in 
from a, a team perspective and also from a kind of time and effort perspective of the rest of the team. Um, and I think for me, we are obviously doing our internship program again. We're also doing a virtual conference, which is going to be more focused on leadership in marketing. So I'm really excited about those things and doing those projects. We want to do more projects like that. But obviously, we have to have the brands that are invested in in those projects as well. We're also, we also have a podcast and that's something that we really want to focus on. Um, we're nearing 100,000 downloads of the podcast now. And we don't have a sponsor, um, which is, I speak to so many people and they say, why do you not have a sponsor? Um, but I think it's really hard to, again, track how successful a podcast is according to, you know, downloads and, you know, sponsorships and stuff. People don't understand the value that, being a sponsor of a podcast is so I think it's a really hard sell for a lot of brands um but on top of that you know it's something that we really want to do we want to kind of get on board and have a spot have a sponsor on board our cast that is really invested in our mission in reaching those people and everything like that so lots of exciting things in the pipeline and I think that metrics definitely comes into it a lot and making sure that you know, tracking the success of those metrics, because I know that at the beginning of my journey, maybe I didn't track the metrics as much as I should have. And I think now as a business, so important to it. Uh, absolutely. But you've got 100,000 downloads of the podcast. Do you know the nature of the people who've downloaded? What do you know about the, the, the individuals who have downloaded it? And how can you use that information to maybe target the appropriate uh, sponsors? Yeah, so the information that we know is is quite limited because that is something that we haven't done a research piece individually on and the platforms that do, uh, that are podcasting platforms. Um, so we use Anchor, which is now being bought by Spotify. So it's just called Spotify for Podcasters. Um, that gives you quite in-depth kind of demographics. So we know our audience is majority female, which I mean, it's a given with the name. No surprise. <laughs> exactly. We know a general age range, which kind of, I think it's 23 to 34. Um, so I definitely, but that is only the demographics from Spotify listeners, but actually the majority of our listeners are on Apple Podcasts. But unfortunately, Apple Podcasts doesn't have anything like Spotify does. So you, you don't know who's listening, which maybe you shouldn't do this when it comes to metrics. But we would assume that it is pretty similar, especially if you consider the audience that we have on social media and um, the people that are within our kind of membership, the people that buy our products. It's all very similar. So it's kind of women, you know, 23 to 34 um, based in the UK, those types of things. So it's now finding a sponsor that wants to focus on those types of people all right so rather than find who 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 do you think who would be if you had three sponsor opportunities out there who who would be the best three give us some brands i think the best brands would be ones that are kind of definitely on our mission but not necessarily from a marketing sense because our audience are not just marketers they're women they're professionals they're people with lives so I think we're going down the angle of getting more like feminine hygiene uh, brands involved. So even like apps, so, you know, Flow is a really good one. It's a period tracking app, um, any kind of menstrual product. So 
like Tampax even, um, loads of like really cool brands like that. Maybe some that are a little bit different. So we're looking into Estrid who are like kind of the razor shaving um, brand um, or Wild who are like the deodorant brand. They'd be really cool. Um, we are very like invested in that sustainable mission. So anyone like that. Um, I think those types of brands would be really cool or equally any brands who are, you know, want to have that exposure to a professional audience. So your HelloFresh, your Gusto, um, those yeah. types of things, because our audience, as I said, they're not just marketers. They are women, you know, they're living their life. They're, you know, all of those different things. So I think it'd be really cool to work with a brand who is on a similar mission to us and who we just love you know we love working with brands that we use what they you know their product or we use their service um and we like to kind of live and breathe it and almost become brands ambassadors so that's a mission i'm on at the moment well it'd be brilliant if somebody from wild or tampax or flow or even hello fresh are listening to to this podcast and think yeah Actually, that, that would be great. We need to reach out to uh, Olivia and uh, uh, see if we can sponsor them because they're talking exactly to our market. That would be amazing. Yeah, definitely give me an email. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Um, I think that's that's been such a, a brilliant uh, conversation, uh, Olivia, and learned a lot about uh, you and your journey and how you, you know, having a, a business that you've created from nothing now has the uh, yeah, six folk that you are looking after uh, as a consequence. And I just wish you every success going forward and lots and lots of sponsors. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this episode of Founder Metrics. Remember, even the biggest of ambitions are within your reach when you leverage the right strategies and metrics. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and never miss a future episode. You can visit vested.com founder metrics for additional resources, articles, and exclusive content. Join our growing community of entrepreneurs and founders by following us on LinkedIn or X. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Let's continue to unlock the metrics of success, sharing, and create a brighter future.